It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Legends and welcome to the Thursday Search by Celtic Down Under. I'm your host Jared and joining me tonight is Stephen. How are you Stephen? Yeah, I'm doing well mate. Um, just sort of enjoying a, a week uh, of no football at the moment. So um, I don't know if it might turn out to be a blessing in the long run that we would get put out of the League Cup early, uh, give the players a chance to recover. But it's, um, it's um, you'd obviously rather be in it, but it's nice to have a free midweek. Yeah, it's strange. I thought, you know, we come back from the international break and then off we go and it's just, you know, game weekend, one on the midweek game. That, and all of a sudden I was like, oh, hang on, we're not playing. How, yeah. how weird is this? So, and then you see the Huns playing yesterday and all that sort of stuff as well and you're just like, oh, here we go. We'll get the extra recovery days, a bit of extra time on the training pitch. So, you know, could be a blessing in disguise, as you said. So... What we'll do before we crack on into the show, just letting you all know, podcasts, the times are changing. That's The name for that is because we're about to go into daylight savings over here. So the times we go live on YouTube are going to change slightly over on the in the you know UK, Scotland sort of and Ireland time over in Europe. So keep an eye on them. Um, yeah, we go forward an hour. I know you guys have your daylight savings in soon over there as well. So eventually we're going to go from nine hour difference to 11. So that's just a pre-warning for everyone just to keep an eye on things. And um, yeah, we hope you all still tune in live on the uh, YouTube channel when uh, to watch the episode. So we'll start off, Stephen. So new contract was agreed by Tony Rolston during the week. Uh, my opinion on that is I think it's um, it's a bit of a weird one because you look on social media and there's some people out there saying, 
oh, it's great that we signed up another one of our homegrown players and we need them for Europe, blah, blah, blah. And then others are saying he's not good enough, he's good enough. And then others are saying he's good enough for the league but not Europe. At the end of the day, I love seeing our own players come through and break into the first team. So I'm happy that Ralston's been rewarded with a, was it a four-year extension. So I'm I'm happy with that. I think he's a good enough player for us domestically. And then we've got AJ for Europe. So what's your thoughts on him uh, signing his new contract? Yeah, pretty much pretty much the same as yourself. Um, I'm happy that uh, that one of our uh, academy acad- academy graduates is, is still coming through the club uh, and still getting game time. Um, obviously, I do agree with people who say he's probably not up to the standard you'd be looking for for a first team right back. But who are you going to, I guess the way the club are looking at it is, who are you going to get? That's going to be a, a stand-in right back, and he's never he's not going to play really any time. Alistair Johnson's fit, um, so you know I think they've probably looked at that, and took a pragmatic view that probably Ralston's as good as they're going to get. Um, now I'm a, I'm pretty sure he's not on massive money, uh, and I'm pretty sure he'll be he'll have been told by Brendan that he, he, he starts will probably be fairly limited, and he's obviously happy with that. But he has shown. Um, certainly in a domestic sense that he's he's capable of coming in and doing a job. So happy enough. Yeah, like you said there, like who are you going to get that's better in terms of for the money we're spending and for the role, It's hard, it would be hard to recruit someone to come and say, oh, you're going to be our backup right back. You're only going to play maybe, you know, one in three, one in four games. And, you know, and, they're actually going to be happy to do that. And on top of that, as I was mentioned earlier, we've got the quotas for Europe where we were scraping the barrel to get the eight, you know, either club trained or association trained players in our squad for Europe. So the fact of the matter is that you've got him there. He's happy to play that role as you back up. He doesn't upset the apple cart and he gets out there and does a job whenever he comes in and he ticks the quota for Europe. I think it, you can't really, um, you know, find a find a better option for that role. So I'm I'm happy that he signed his new contract. The, the only yeah. thing might be if, if you know if they come under pressure to sell Alistair Johnson, um, because he is really catching the eye. He, he looks as if he's tailor made for the for the English Premier League, and, and I do think he'll end up there at some point, as long as they don't see Ralston as his replacement, um, and and they would sign another right back in that in that circumstance, but. Yeah, as you say, happy enough for them to be there as backup. On that though, Stephen, you got to look at it and go, well, you'd hope we did what we did with Juranovic where, you know, we got Johnston in before we sold Juranovic and we've kept Ralston in the backup role to both of them. You'd hope that's what we do. But the old biscuit tin mentality that we've discussed numerous times on the podcast kind of gives me the fear. That you know, people at the club think, "Oh no, let's just keep Ralston, and he's good enough for us." But like going up against Aberdeen or going up against, um, you know, against like your Motherwell's and your your St Johnsons and that sort of stuff, I don't mind. If Ralston was to play against all them, I would not worry at all. But even going to Ibrox, I really wouldn't be too worried. But going away in Europe to Lazio or going away to Feyenoord or going away to PSG or Bayern Munich or something like that, I'd be, yeah, I'd be a little nervy, let's be honest. 
So I'm going to bring up some comments here. So Peter Stevenson was, I don't know why we had to give Ralston this deal. He's actually gone backwards from over a year ago when he was playing very well. The board scammed us in his summer transfer window, Lawwell style, cheap, unambitious, cheap cheap skates. JJ is saying, morning troops agree about Ralston. He was a signing that made sense in every way. I don't get the hate from the section about this decision. And that's why I brought up both of those two comments there because realistically they both play off exactly what we're saying there. You've got some people view it one way like Peter, others viewing another way like JJ. At the end of the day, I think it makes sense. But I'm no board apologist. If they were to sell, you know, Alistair Johnson and not replace him and promote Ralston to a starting role, then I'd be on this podcast absolutely blasting them, which we've done before. So it'd be uh interesting thing. So talking about contracts, there's rumors that contracts are being negotiated for both O'Reilly and Hatate. What's your thoughts on both of them, Stephen? For me, it's get them get them done. Yeah, I think yeah, absolutely agree. Um the, the, especially O'Reilly, from my point of view, I think O'Reilly's a guy who started the season really well. Uh, he took his game up to another level. Um, he's just about to probably be brought into the, the Danish national, the first na- uh, senior national squad. So that's going to increase his value. Um, when he starts playing for them, he'll start to catch the eye of teams not just in England but in Europe. Um, and we will come up. We would come under pressure to sell him. So get him tied down on a contract. Um, and uh, apart from anything else, he just protects our asset uh, from 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 bigger club, well, from clubs from the EPL coming in with big money for him. Um, and I think he deserves whatever pay rise he gets. He deserves to be up amongst the sort of higher earners in the team because that's where his contribution sits at the moment. And if we could get him tied down in a yep. four or a five deal and sort of guarantee that we're going to have him for another couple of years, and that would be a great bit of business. Um, probably one of the best bit of businesses we've done this summer. Um, on Hitati, I think pretty much the same. You know, you want to see him tied down. You don't want to see him. I'm, I'm leaving. Um, I think he's got a lot of he's got a lot of growth uh, that he needs to get to his game. Um, he needs to, you know, he's got some he's got some uh, some faults in in terms of losing the ball in key at key times, and I, I think he needs to work on that. And I think the best person to work with to iron out these flaws in his game would be would be Brendan Rodgers. So. I hope he does sign a new contract as well, and I hope we've got him for another few years because he's another one that that will come under pressure to sell over over the next couple of years. Yep, hundred percent. I think as you're saying there about Hatade, there's a bit of a bit of work there to be, you know, ironed out in his game. And yeah, Rogers is a great development coach on that front, so it'll be good for him to spend just a season or two more learning from him, getting developed, and you know, progressing his game. Um, as well as that'll protect our asset. But the thing that you said about O'Reilly as well is we turned down what was a £10 million offer from Leeds for him. So at the end of the day, you know, if he went to Leeds, he probably would have tripled, quadrupled his wages easy. So you've got to reward him. You've got to like go, we appreciate you. You've been one of our best players this season. We rate you that highly that there's people talking in the comments on previous shows that he's a future captain at Celtic, the way he's talking and his leadership and everything this year that we're seeing. So get him his new contract, give him his pay rise and, you know, just let him get on with the job of keep developing and producing the goods for us. Like over at Feyenoord last week, I thought he was one of our better players. So shows we've got a real asset there. And as you're saying, he's about to break into the Danish national team and 
a lot of the top players in the Danish national team tend to either play in the EPL or over in the over in the top flight of um, what's it called in Italy. So it'll be interesting to see what my colleagues at the company I'm working for, because they're a Danish company, think about O'Reilly. I should actually reach out and ask him once he breaks into the team. That'll be hard. The thing about O'Reilly is he, he's already played in England um, and, you know, he, he'll already caught the eye of the scouts down there. I think he came through the, the, the academy at Fulham uh, and then moved on to play for AFC Wimbledon. So they'll be well aware of his qualities and he'll be on their radar already. So I, I'm not surprised we got that bid from, from Leeds United and, you know, you'd expect, you, you would expect more bids to come uh, probably Christmas and next summer. Yeah, I missed half what you said there, Stephen. Sorry, I just, the internet just dropped out on me for half a second. But yeah, I noticed. <laughs> you you had gone all frozen there, so I just took up took up the baton and just I was just stressing the point about how um, O'Reilly, having already played in England, I think he came through the academy at Fulham um, and and went on to play for AFC Wimbledon. So he'll be he'll be on the radar of English clubs and, and the scouting systems already. Yep, hundred percent. So yeah, with the um, last thing I wanted to touch on as well with the contracts was the um, who do you think should be next to get a new contract? I think we've rattled off. Look at who we've extended this off season. So Maeda, Kyogo, Abada, McGregor, Ralston. I know I'm missing a few others. There's a talks of O'Reilly and Hatade. I think realistic for me, the next player who needs a contract extension would probably be Carter Vickers. Anyone that you're thinking it should be, or would you agree with that? Yeah, I think only Carter Vickers um, uh, comes comes to mind straight away, I think. We, we've dished out quite a number of contract extensions. We've been handing them out like sweeties um, over the past few months, so um, that's obviously been a priority. But you don't want to you don't want to overdo it. You don't want to hand out too many. You don't want to sort of give players long term contracts when they haven't earned them yet. So you, you need to be careful. And I think maybe now waiting to see how 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 uh, Carter Vickers comes back from his injury because uh, that it was quite a bad one he took and he's had quite a few months out. So I think the the, the discussions and that would probably be on hold until he gets reestablished in the first team. But even from his point of view, he might not want to sign a new contract. He may have an eye on getting back down to England either uh, Christmas or next summer. Um, and you know, again, he's another one who's played in England already. Um, so he'll be he'll the, the scouting academy systems in, in uh, England will be well aware of his qualities already. Yeah, would have to agree on that. But I do think he's a big player for us, and he needs his contract looked at at least. So yeah, it's going to be a Interesting one there, but what I'll do is I'll throw to you, Stephen, because you mentioned about the uh, refereeing in the uh, Huns versus Livingston game, how bad it was, and I thought, you know, we'll have a bit of a chat about that because before we crack on to talking about Motherwell. But before we do that, if you're tuning in, later on in the pod, we want to have to answer a few of your questions. So if you've got any questions about players in the squad, what our thoughts are or upcoming games or anything like that, just let us know in the comments section some of your questions and we'll get to them later on in the episode. So you know, I'll let you talk about the um the game there, Stephen, the Hans Livy game, and I'm gonna try and fix my internet issue quickly. So over to you. Yeah. 
Uh, it was just basically, I think it was their first goal they scored, and it, it's been all over Twitter and the socials uh, today showing it, and it was the boy Seymour, um, ran, chased a ball through, the Livingston defender was favourite to get, the ball was going out for a throw-in, um, and he's just put a hand up in his back and shoved him to the ground, totally blatantly, uh, and then ran through and scored. And, you know, you could go a long way, and you'll never see a more blatant foul on a football field. Now, when I first saw it, I thought, well, I could only assume that VAR wasn't uh, operating at the game, but apparently it was. Um, and Nick Walsh was 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 the VAR um, the VAR official. So God only knows what was going through their head uh, and and how they missed that. Uh, and it was a vital vital first goal, um, and and it, it set the tone for the game. Now they they ended up winning fairly comfortably, so they probably would have won anyway. Um, I also saw later on in the game a booking a Livingston player got for a, a supposed arm across the face, but it, and it was just a tangle of arms. Um, the Rangers player went down holding his face and the Livy player gets booked. So I'd be interested to see what our old pal David Martindale had to say about it after the game. I didn't catch any of his post-match comments, but um, I'm sure he probably wasn't talkative about it as he would have been if it had happened in a Celtic game. So um, it was just, it was awful. It was really poor refereeing um, and something we've, we've come to expect when we're watching Rangers. Yeah, I saw a stat somewhere as well saying that Livingston averaged 14 fouls against them per game so far this season, and they only had five against mm-hmm. Rangers uh, or whatever it was. So, yeah, here we go. I found the stat now. So Livingston averaged 14 fouls per game this season, 22 fouls versus Aberdeen, 17 versus St. Mirren, 17 versus Celtic, five fouls versus Rangers. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. So, yeah, and then um, this bloke was saying, my mates were joking that they believe the lead players look like they'd been instructed not to tackle. So if you put that together, yeah, it's pretty crazy, all things considered. So, yeah, the whole refereeing situation from the highlights I watched and what you, you've said there, Steve, and it's like makes you think, I said it a few times, the fix is in, something's going on there, but, you know, nothing will get done because that's just Scottish football at the end of the day. So... I'm not too concerned overall. It'll it happens. We just have to not leave the games in the officials' hands and get out there and get the job done. So what we'll do now is we will get into we'll discuss that the the Motherwell game on the weekend. So 
apparently there's no TV coverage of the game against Motherwell's at Sky. It's not covering it. Uh, it's a bit of a uh, joke of a situation, Stephen. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean it's just farcical, isn't it? Because it's a it's a it's a top six class. It's a top of the table team against the team sitting. I think is it fourth or fifth or something. So it's a, it's a it's a decent game. It's always a good game between Celtic and Motherwell uh, at Motherwell, and um, you know for for that not to be on the TV is just just absolutely farcical. Um, and for there to be no TV coverage of any game this weekend, you, you probably find that there wouldn't be a single league in Europe where none of their games is on the TV. Uh, this weekend, uh, there's no live coverage of it, and it just shows you how ridiculously poor our TV deal was. Uh, when you compare it to the the deals that just recently been signed by the the, the Dutch the Dutch teams uh, for the Eredivisie, um, it, it, it puts our it puts our TV deal to absolute shame. And the, the guys who've negotiated that and tied us in for a really long time as well to the deal um, should, should hang their heads in shame. We need some change in the, in the leadership. Of Scottish football, we're underselling the game, and this is this is just a result of it, and it's it's just a joke. Hundred percent. You're talking about not just the team in first, but you're talking about first versus fourth in your in your league not being shown on TV. That is ridiculous. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what much more to add. You've touched on it and said pretty much summed up everything I thought as well. There, Stephen. It's just a Shocking situation. It's yeah, the I'm trying to figure out the nicest way to say this here. So I think it's a bit of a shambles, really. That the um, as you said, the TV deal is undersold. The lack of accountability, where you're supposed to get what is it, forty something games a season shown, and the last couple of years they've struggled to even get that amount of games. Mm. You can jump onto different online things. And you can watch more of the English Championship and League One games than you can get on free-to-air for Scottish football. It's just ridiculous. Like, I remember growing up, even over here in Australia, you had SBS and you'd show Premier League Game of the Week, um, Serie A Game of the Week, and then they would have European football. It was a two-hour show and they would show you a highlights package of Scottish football of... French football, of German football, of Spanish football, whatever, they'd show you a little highlight package and then they'd show you one full game. And that was a great way to to actually get to see these these teams and these games growing up. And now it's like, unless you've got Celtic TV over here in Australia, it's the only way we can really see it. And then you've got people over back home that can't even watch it either. So I'll bring up a couple of comments here. So Michael Ross is saying Norway has a better TV deal. It's ridiculous. And Pegleg is saying, unfortunately, guys, there's no master man for the Scottish League, and that's why Sky is the only show in town. And then you've got things like um, Amazon with their streaming, and you've got stuff like you know, Amazon, you've got Stan Sports over here that shows it. You've got there's a whole bunch of of different streaming ones you could look at. If the TV channels aren't working, everyone nowadays has phones, an iPad, smart TVs, whatever. You'd, there's there's got to be a way that you'd almost look at it and go, let's just do what they do in Spain for a reason, or 
something where you can have the club TV and the clubs can sell their own rights. Or if you're not going to get it as a league, the only way to drive it is to take back the power from the league. Come on. That's me sounding all like, you know, communist there, Liam, and love it. Take back the power and everything. Like something's got to be done because the corrupt people in those corporate suits up at Hamden aren't doing their job properly. Yeah, I'll just pick up on the comment there that said there was no demand for Scottish football. And there's no, and that's true. There's no demand for it because we undersell it. Uh, and we don't get it out there. People will watch it. There's a lot of good games in Scotland. There's a lot of good um there's a lot of good competitive games out, out with us, Celtic and, and Rangers. Um the be there's a lot of exciting games, there's a lot of good football played. Um and if you know it's not it's not any worse than any any other the sort of smaller leagues in Europe out with the top five. Um we're talking about the Norwegian league there, uh, having a better TV deal. There's no way the Norwegian league's better than the Scottish League, especially when you get outside the top teams. So we need to stop underselling it. Start leveraging things that are good about it. Um, we've got traditionally big clubs. We've got decent support coming through the gates, considering the population of Scotland. Uh, and it just it's just a it's just a case of how it's marketed. Now the English Premier League is the most popular league in the world. I'm not going to say the best league in the world because I'm not sure if it is, but it's the most popular league in the world, and it's all down to marketing. They get it into people's houses and they get people interested in it. But we've never done anything to promote our game properly, especially overseas. I mean, how many times do you even hear anyone talking about Scottish football game in Australia? You know, you just don't. Um, so we, we need to change that. We need to start getting some people at the top of the game with vision, uh, with with, with a, an ambition to, to grow the game and go further instead of just treading water, because at the moment it's just a joke. I love the Something I touched on where Pegleg's saying at a death of Scottish game, how many people sign up for Livingston TV? What I meant by like, if we've got to take it back, okay, sell them individually if you're not going to. But for those who aren't aware, in Australia, we used to have our games on Foxtel over here for the A-League, and that was the pay TV. So you got no real coverage on free-to-air. It changed to Paramount Plus streaming for all the games. Absolute shocking system. There's no pause. There's no rewind. There's no games on demand to watch. Terrible system when it first came in. But there was also free-to-air games or two free-to-air games that started to improve it. Now, if you've got a streaming sort of thing like that, it would work because I'm not the A-League is not a better league than Scotland. They're probably on the same level. Maybe. Or Scotland would be a little bit better, I reckon in my opinion, and where there's got to be another way. You can't just be going hat in the hand to everyone going, please, sir, more give me whatever money you've got in your ashtray, which is what it seems like Scottish football's doing. How it works in Australia, the system's broken. It doesn't work nowadays. Like There's got to be a new way. There's backlash on the streaming, but the J-League has a streaming. There you go. J-League and K-League are packaged so well on YouTube that Andrew's put up here. There's there's got to be another way. I'm not necessarily saying it has to be individual clubs screaming it or streaming is the future. Let's be honest. That's what everyone's doing. It's the present and it's also the future. There's got, there's more money in that. So like, we'll bring up some more comments. Michael Ross, Scottish football is being run by idiots. Andrew Galea, the old being sports, not showing our game. Yep. To be expected. 
Strange Love's got a nice one here. I normally don't like to label incompetence as malice, but it's the SFA and general management of Scottish football and calling it sabotage. And then JJ's plenty of expats worldwide would pay for the service if we had an independent setup. Helps if we expand the league as well. That's what I'm talking about. If you had a league-wide streaming thing, I'm sure, you know, if you got the choice between paying, you got the illegal streams that everyone's getting on, or if you had something consistent where it was like an app where you could jump on and watch all the games and whatever in your own time zone, it'd work. I'm sure people do it. American guys would sign up for it. People all through Asia and down here in Oceania and stuff like that would do it. It, it would work. It's got to. It's got to work. Would you sign up for it, Stephen? If there was something like that? Yeah, absolutely. And as a real, as a real option. I mean, if you can't get the deal you want from the from the big media companies, then you can. There's always the option to set up your own, yeah, your own streaming uh, streaming system. And um, we've been talking about SPL TV for years now, uh, and it's never really got off the ground. And maybe it's time to start looking at that. And if you get the right people to run it and the right people to produce it. Uh, and the right people selling it and marketing it, then I think it could be it could be a winner. And it's certainly anything's got to be better than the current, you know, complete farce with Sky treating it as just a sort of a joke, something to fill time uh, when they've got a space in their schedule. They give no priority to Scottish football at all, and it should have been written into the agreement that, that, that they need to shoot, they must show a game every weekend. That should be the minimum standard. They have to show a game every weekend. There shouldn't be a blackout of the game at all. Um, and as as you know, as down here, if you don't have Celtic TV, you're scrambling around looking for an illegal stream to, to watch it on. It's just it's just not good enough. Um, and you know, we're talking about bringing advertising money in. We're talking about improving standards. You know, and that all costs money. Um, and we're never going to achieve that until we get the product out there and get people watching it. Uh, and certainly having Sky not having a game on this weekend, that's not helping. Exactly. And then you get the money coming in, you set up this, this streaming, people sign up all over the world. Suddenly, advertising money goes up. Clubs are getting more money off this. Then they can invest in better things like their, their youth academies, bringing players through, better standard of players coming in. And next thing you know, Scottish teams in general might do something in Europe and then the coefficient goes up and then it's just, you know, it's one hand feed and the other sort of thing. And there was a comment from JJ earlier on here that I skipped over. We're saying those are in the game of help to trash the league. We're a top 10 UEFA nation and should be acting like it. Should have ditched Sky moons ago and went independent. So you've got that. Then you've got a comment here from Andrew saying it's so easy to follow the J League and K League compared to Scotland. Michael Ross is more people attend football in Scotland per head of population than any country in Europe. There must be. At the end of the day, the only two people in Scottish football that I would trust to actually get this done would be get me an Alan Burrows because he's outside of the Glasgow bubble, get him and Ann Budge. Those are the two. Get them involved and they will set it up properly. They both are forward-thinking enough administrators that I, even though they're not at our club, I trust that those two would do the right thing. I don't trust anyone currently in a suit at Hampton. I don't trust anyone, you know, involved at the SFA and the current providers. Those are the two people there that I think need to get involved and push this forward. 
they would actually make it happen, and I think it would be decent. Look, I think you'll find there's plenty of people would be able to make this happen. I can't remember the guy's name now. We've just we just appointed a new director at Celtic a couple of months ago, and the guy was um, some uh, social media sort of so, a social media um, director or something with Apple UK. So that sort of talent is out there, and he's Scottish and he's a Celtic fan. So that sort of talent's out there and available. Um, and I'm sure there's plenty of guys like that in Scotland that we could we, we could recruit to get this thing off the ground. But, you know, the, the status quo is just simply not good enough. And the problem is, I think we're, we're tied into this deal to something like 2030 now. So, you know, it's going to be difficult to get out of it if, if it's possible at all. Let's be honest, Stephen. I get emails probably every week or fortnight from people asking me, do you want to take your show behind a paywall sort of thing like Patreon, take it off YouTube and create your own app so people can watch in there and do all that and then you can have a lot more interaction with your, with your followers and all that. For this podcast, if I'm getting that sort of engagement as the founder of Celtic Down Under and setting this up to try and grow this channel, imagine what you could do and the people out there that know how to do that at that level in Scottish football, as you said, someone who used to be at Apple UK or is at Apple UK, they would have the pathway and the know-how. And and if they don't know how to do it, they'd know someone who knows how to do it. It's not, you don't have to be a brain surgeon to figure out that it's a possible, possible thing. So yeah, it's just ridiculous. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Okay, Martin's got a comment here. Sky defaulted on games last year, not showing enough, which we mentioned earlier. So find him a hundred million pound. I would love that. That would be the best. Mahesh is saying set up a streaming product independent of Sky. Exactly. So there's plenty of options there. It's a, something's got to be done, and I would ref, I would prefer to be paying for that than set up something and I'd pay for it than looking for a stream or. Celtic TV is ridiculous. There you go. Strange of a doctor. Apple TV signed a billion-dollar deal with the MLS last year. Perfect. There's a precedent. We're not going to get a billion dollars, but, you know, it could be better than what are we getting out of out of Sky? Absolute peanuts? Yeah. 30, mil, like 30 million a season or something. It's something really, really ridiculous. I couldn't, remember. I couldn't remember if it was 20 or 30. That's why I said peanuts because pretty much is compared to what everyone else is mm. getting. It's ridiculous. Like you come last in the EPL, get relegated, and you earn how much? Three times that amount. Mm, yeah. Then our whole league's getting for the TV product. Says it all. So, 
I think we'll leave that topic there. But yeah, it's something to keep an eye on and push for and everything. But we want to talk about Motherwell game coming up on the weekend. So what we want to do is I'm going to go through their current form because there's a few little pointers there. So, so far this season, they've had a one all draw against Dundee, 2-1 win against Hibs, 1-0 loss to St. Mirren. They've had a 2-1 win against Killy. They've had a 1-0 win against Hearts and a 1-0 loss against St. Mirren. So they've lost against St. Mirren twice, once in the league, once in the um, League Cup. And then they lost to Rangers on the weekend, 1-0. So realistically, looking at their team and all their results, they're not conceding many goals, but they're not scoring a lot either. And I look at this and go, I think from what we've seen, they're a team that's hard to break down. What are your thoughts on Motherwell so far this season, Stephen? Yeah, I think they came out of the traps pretty well in the first couple of games and um, looked as if they would be a force this year. Um, the last couple, last few results have not been brilliant. Um, they got beat 1-0 up, uh, by Rangers at Ibrox last last weekend, apparently. You know, I didn't see the game myself, but apparently Rangers were appalling. Um, so th- th- that, that that's an opportunity missed from them. Uh, and they also lost at home to St Mirren the week before. So the last few performances have not been great. So... I wouldn't be too worried about their forum. And yeah, you're right. They're not they're not conceding a load of goals. Uh, but they haven't they haven't come up against us yet. Um they've only come up against I mean they, they were never going to concede a lot of goals to Rangers last week in the form they're in. Uh, if you look at some of the other teams who've played as well, the the one that went over Hearts at the time looked like a great result, but Hearts are struggling as well this year. Um I've talked their manager's going to get the sack. Um so you know. They, um, I don't think their form's been crash hot, but yeah, you're right. They'll, they'll be difficult to break down, um, just like any team we play are, because they're, they're going to go out there and try and be well organised. They're going to try and keep the game at nil nil for as long as possible, uh, and hope they can they can grab something. Um, so I, can, I see it as being a, a very similar game to probably Livingston last week, uh, and as ever, um, the first goal is absolutely crucial. Hundred percent. Looking at it, they've had. Three wins, one draw, and two losses. And their only two losses have been to St. Mirren, who's in second, and Rangers, who are in third. So that pretty much says it perfectly there for them. Like, they're doing what you need to do. Beat the teams below you. They've lost to the teams above them, and now they're playing us. So I think it's time to uh, handsome. Andrew Galea is saying... Motherwell won't be easy, but the surface should suit us. It's always nice to play at Fir Park. Like Brendan, Rogers, Brendan Rogers mentioned that in his interview um, today or yesterday. He said it's always a it's always a really good surface there, and, and he's looking forward to playing on it. And that's a that's a key thing for us compared to the disgrace we had to play on last week. Um, yep. So it will be nice to play on a, a decent surface, and hopefully we can we can get the get the passing going and get our football played the way we want it to. Yep. JJ saying hopefully we get an early goal. If not, could be a bit of a slog. They're fairly solid as long as we keep our momentum. Pegleg was saying Motherwell will come out and play against us. It should suit us better. Yeah, they do look to play. You look at their squad, and there's just like Liam Kelly in goals. You go through my favorite named player in the whole of Scottish football, Beavis McGarby. What a name. 
And then you just keep going through. They've got Paul McGinn's there. Stephen O'Donnell's there. Butch will probably put his studs through someone's shin at some point. So they've got some players there, but no one there that just strikes fear into you. But it's going to be one of those games where I'm not too stressed about it. I think we'll pick up the three points, and it's going to be one where first goal, the sooner we score that, the better. Now, before we jump into our starting lineups and our score predictions, I did my one of my favorite things, which is looking at the overall head-to-head between the two clubs. <laughs> yeah, the guys in the comments have figured it out. Beavers and Butthead. Brilliant. Got to love it. So over in the league, we have played a total of 72 matches in the top flight. How many do you think um, Motherwell have won, Stephen? Uh, 72 out of 76 maybe 76 sorry i'd say maybe is that is this go back through their whole history yeah well maybe 20 no they've won six they've won six so they've only beat us six times in their entire history yep in the league jeez that's that's incredible, isn't it? Sorry, no, actually, that's in the history. Yeah, Premiership, there's been 70 games. David Adams has been 12 draws, and we've won 52 of them in the league. In the League Cup, four matches played, and we've beaten them all four times. In the Scottish Cup, we've beaten them both times there as well. We've played them. Well, this is while both teams have been top-flight teams. Yeah, I know we definitely lost a we we lost a cup tie to to Motherwell during the Hamden year uh, back in the mid nineties because um, I remember it well. It was a replay, I'm pretty sure, and a guy called Colin O'Neill scored an absolute belter from about 25, 30 yards out, and um, and he was a he was from Northern Ireland. He was a proper hundred percent hun as well. So that one really stung. Um, and I remember it. I remember being at the game. So we definitely, we definitely lost a cup tie to them at, at one point. Yep. Yeah, this is a weird one. It's it's only head to head while we have both been top flight teams. So I don't know where they get the figures from. I'm just going off what I got here. But at Fir Park, here you go. Thirty seven games we played against them there. What do you think the lay of the land is there? Well, if they've only been six times, um, the, the the majority of them must have been at Bud Park. So it must have been maybe four or five. Yeah, four there. And then two wins at Celtic Park for them. Um, eight draws at Fir Park. Two draw, Sorry, four draws at Celtic Park. And then we've had 33 wins at Celtic Park and 25 wins at Fir Park. And the total goals for and against, we've scored 185 in those games and they've scored 52. So, yeah, there's plenty of – it pretty much looks like the average goals that we score in a game against um, against Motherwell is 3.11 goals. So, there you go, Mahesh, you'll love the stats. So, I came prepared for once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, who would you have as your starting lineup? Yeah, I mean, I think the only the only question is who does he who does he play in central defence? Obviously, the goalkeeper 
Um, I was listening to Axel earlier today, and they were discussing about whether we should play Seagrest or Bain, uh, given the fact that you know Seagrest hasn't played in, in a long time, and he's he's basically sitting around doing nothing. Uh, but I don't think so. I think they'll, I think they'll go with Bain, uh, and that gives me the fear because he's always he's always liable to he's always liable to come up with a mistake of some kind. Um, central defence, a lot comes down to the, the fitness of Nat Phillips. I think if he's fit at all, uh, if he's ready to play, then he's got to go in there next to Liam Scales uh, because you, you, want him, you want to get a full 90 minutes under his belt before we play Lazio. Um, but if not, then he needs to probably play Iwata there um, for the same reason because that would be the pairing going into the Lazio game. But I really don't, I'm not a big fan of Iwata at centre-half. Um, I think any time he's played there, he's really struggled. And, um, you know, I, I think that would be terrible for us going into the Lazio game. So I'm really hoping that Nat Phillips is fit and plays. Um, fullbacks kind of pick themselves, Taylor and AJ. Um, he'll probably stick with the same um, starting midfield um, with uh, O'Reilly, McGregor and Hitati. I, I don't see any change there. Uh, and up front, I don't think we'll see Forrest again. Um, I think we might see Palmer coming back in. It'll be either Palmer or Yang, but I think Palmer will get the nod and Maida and Kyogo up front. Yeah, I'd have to agree with the majority of that. I think I don't think Segrist will come in and start, but I actually would prefer him over Bain. Um, he's, he seems a little bit more composed with the ball at his feet and is a better shot stopper, but you know, seeing him show the racist red card the show racism, the red card thing in the team photo to Joe Hart the other day on the wind-up was the funniest thing and probably a reminder, oh, yeah, we do have another goalkeeper. I haven't seen him in a while. So, yeah, that's what that's what he looks like. So I'm like, ah, oh, cool. There we have it. So, um, yeah, I'd rather Segrist, but Bain will probably start, let's be honest. Um, yeah, the back, the back line's going to be interesting. I don't – the talk is I don't think Phillips is going to be fit for Lazio. That's what I heard. I'm not sure if there's anything more current that's come out on that. So I was going to talk about that in our next topic when we talk about the Lazio game a little bit, just a general overview before we dive in a few other things. But, yeah, it's going to be a bit of an interesting one. I'd just – just for the sake of it, I would keep the back pairing that we had, like Scales and Lagerbelk together. He was a – Consistent run of clean sheets. Um, yeah, Taylor starts, AJ starts, midfield, yeah, keep it as is. And then, you know, maybe if we felt like resting someone, then, you know, give an hour to Kelmack, bringing him off, give home a bit of a run because he's not going to play during the week. So, because he's suspended as well for the, uh, the Lazio game. So, if you want to return the midfield out, there's your guy to come in. Just use your squad to your advantage in the league and in and in Europe. Up front, I'm hoping the same thing for Kyogo. Play 60 minutes, be three or four up, bring him off, play O for a chunk of it, and then hopefully we know Palmer and uh, on one side, and we can see um, hang on the other as well. Made I'd start him, yeah, but. I also would like to protect him a little bit for Europe during the middle of the week as well. So, yeah, it's going to be one way. Hopefully you use the squad to your advantage, can rotate some guys in and out. I still want to get the result, but let's be clever about it. I'm keen to see a bit more of Paolo Bernardo 
Um, you know, we haven't hardly seen we haven't hardly seen a glimpse of him at all. So apart from five or ten minutes here and there. Um now he's been there he's been there in training a few weeks now. He's had a few games with the, the Portuguese under twenty one team too. Um so he should be able to play maybe a, a good solid half an hour. Um so if we are if we are a couple of goals up, then I'd like to see him coming on um so we can get a good look at what he's really like on, on a good surface where you can play a bit of football. So I hope we see Paolo Bernardo. I absolutely forgot we had him, Stephen. <laughs> no wonder. I mean, he's hardly played. He came in at the, at the back end of the transfer Modern window and sort of snuck onto the substitute bench in, in the middle of the night and then nobody's seen him since, yeah. you know. That's what I forgot because he signed last minute of the window yeah. and then we haven't signed him. I'm like, oh, yeah, completely forgot. Nah. I think the plan would be, okay, if we can get a bunch of goals up and we can rotate a few players. I'd love to see Kelmack get a bit of an early breather. I'd love to see probably Matt O'Reilly come off. Then you can get Bernardo in, you can get Awada in and give those guys some some time or home in there and get, give them some time. So it's going to be, I'm hoping we get the business done. Like we'll go, we'll go the Brendan style of old in the old, um, in his first stint where, you know, after half hour, 40 minutes, you're up three, four goals. And then you just go cruise control the game and, you know, get guys rotating and run into players' legs like because we've got the five subs we can play with. I think that's how we'd want to um, we'd hope to do it, especially with the European game coming up in a few days. So score prediction, Stephen, what are you thinking? Yeah, I think we'll get I think we'll get the job done. Um I think we'll I think I'm gonna go with four 0 Um I think we'll go get on the score sheet again. I think Matt O'Reilly will too. Um, so I'm going to take Kyogo to get two, Matt O'Reilly one, and then maybe a goal for Maida as well. Um, I, I think I think we're, we're looking really good at the moment. I'm really happy with how things are progressing in a domestic context anyway. I think Brendan's now back and firing in all cylinders. The last three performances have really shown how good a coach he is and how good a tactician he is. Um, even the away game with Feyenoord, um, he got his tactics spot on. Um, for the first 45 minutes, we, we were more than matched him. Uh, he tactically, he was excellent against against Rangers. And then again, uh, when we went down to 10 men against Livingston, he just comes into his own um, and, and showed how good a coach he is. And I think he'll have his side set up properly. He'll have watched Motherwell well uh, and there'll be no surprises for him. So I think we'll win the game fairly comfortably. Yeah, speaking about Rogers, I think he's starting to get the getting the hell of his, um, of getting the hang of his squad like, Who's good in what roles, and you know who's who in the in the team and everything, because you know he had to break it down and establish some of his patterns, and now that's starting to come out, and his tactics now working a lot more, and the players are getting used to it. Andrew Galea is saying Rogers has stumbled onto a coherent system. Who would have thought Liam <laughs> Scales would be a key player in that coming in the season when the talk was if um, Nat Phillips comes in, doesn't get injured, he probably would have been sold. So he's how good, how good, how good is Rogers when we go down to 10 men? No, oh, he's absolutely brilliant. The wee, but the wee black book comes out and he starts scribbling away, uh, and that's it. You know what's coming next, you know, we're going to win when, it, when that happens, you know. And, I, and he's, he's just so good at it. And um, I think you know, I think Andrew's been a bit harsh there saying he stumbled onto a coherent system. I think we, we, you've got to give him the credit that he's putting the team out. He's dictating the shape of the team and he's dictating the tactics. And one thing he has 
over Ange is that, you know, he will change tactics mid-game. He will change the shape of the team mid-game and it, and it makes us more agile uh, to react to things that happen, like going down to 10 men. Um, and I think that's the beauty of having a coach like Rogers. Yep. 100%. JJ's saying it's taken a while for some players like Maida and Taylor, but they're in their groove now. We have so much to look forward to. Andrew's still like, we can be so much better and it's early days and everything on that. Mm-hmm. I look at it and go, you said when we go down to 10, he, he makes movements. I, I look at it and just go, you know, that's balls to the wall football. It's like, mm-hmm. all right, we're already down a man. We're not expecting much here. Let's just go for it. And I love that. I love that about him. That he's just he's he's ballsy. He's not afraid to um to have a crack at it and go after it. So my my score prediction will be four one. I think there's going to be some dubious penalty call against us when we're up one nil, and then we'll just blow them out again, and then we'll just cruise with the three goal margin. Um, strange love is that's, saying, a, that's a fairly safe bet. There'll be some dubious penalty call. Scottish football. What do you expect? <laughs> yeah, that's a, yeah. <laughs> Although I've been performing really well despite some of the results. They move the ball quick and work hard, and it's their home game, so it'll be a good football game. I'm looking forward to watching it somehow. We'll eventually figure it out. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But we'll, um, yeah, so we've got our score predictions. Everyone on the live chat, if you can send through any questions you have, like general questions about how the season's going, football, you can ask me what's behind the flag, I don't care, whatever. Any questions, just chuck them in there. We'll have a bit of a Q&A later on to it in the last five minutes or so of the pod. So what we want to do is we're going to talk about the Lazio game. So we've spoken about, Holmes out suspended and Lagerbelk is out suspended. So what's your thoughts on the game in general going into it, Stephen, for next week? We'll do a deep dive more on this on Monday's podcast on the yeah. Pot Noodle where we'll get really into it a bit more because the game's in a couple of like a, the next day. But I just want to get your thoughts on it as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think it's um, it's approaching a must-win game for us if we've got any real ambitions of getting out of the group. Um, I know it's, it's a long shot that we would finish second, but if we've got any ambition of doing that, then we need to beat them at home. They haven't started the, the season well. I think they've only won one game um, and, they, and they've been conceding goals. So they're there for us to get at them um, and we just need to produce a, a decent home European performance the likes of which we haven't seen for a number of years. Um, so I think Rogers will, will set the team out well. 
Um, and and I think we've got to just go for it. We've got to just go for it and try and try and get the win. Try and put pressure on them. Uh, if we get them, you know, second guessing themselves, then if they have got issues in their dressing room, if things are not working out for them, then we might start to get them making mistakes. Uh, the atmosphere in the stadium should be buzzing. It's the first home Champions League game of the year. It'll be a full house. We're playing a we're playing a bunch of fascists, so we all and we always like to stop the fascists. So um, everybody should be up for it. The atmosphere should be bouncing. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, caveat, and it, as always, with a, a record and a home record, especially in Europe, is absolutely appalling. Uh, and we need to we need to start to do something about that. So hopefully, it starts next week again to give and giving them a doing at home. Yep, I'm looking forward to it as well. Um, there's a there's a tweet that I wanted to do. There's this Twitter account, right? And a lot of people hate hate this post. This bloke can says one of the biggest bedwetters on there. Boys' views. <laughs> Everyone knows what it is. So they had a question with Lagerbelka being suspended. You mentioned earlier to probably be Awada playing at centre back, right, alongside Scales. Boys' views question was thoughts on Alistair Johnson playing centre back with Ralston playing right back, or would you go with Awada at centre-back? Now, you've mentioned Awada at centre-back already. What do you think of the other option there of Alistair Johnson playing and putting Ralston in at right-back, where I've said I'd rather not play him in Europe if possible? Yeah, well, that would be my that would be my reasoning as well. I don't really want to see Ralston playing right-back in Europe. Um, I Domestically, yeah, he's fine, but not not in the, not in Europe. So I think we can't afford to move Alistair Johnson out of that right back position. He's so important for us, especially if um, if, if Greg Taylor on the other side is inverting, um, and Johnson's been staying out wide. So we really need him to have a strong game out there. It, there there's really no ideal answer to the centre half conundrum. You know, we, we're down to the bones, and and who knows what we're going to do. Um, but I think the only the, the least worst option for us is Iwata. Uh, and he brought Iwata on at centre half against Feyenoord uh, for the for the tail end of the game to play at centre half when Lagabielka gets sent off. So to me that kind of shows you where his thinking is at. That next the next cab off the bank is Iwata. Uh, and that by my reckoning that's us down to our eighth choice centre half playing in a Champions League tie. So not ideal at all, but I, I don't think, you know, I can see the reasoning. Uh, Alistair Johnson's a good defender uh, in, the, in the truest sense of the word. He attacks, attacks headers well. He's very wholehearted and he's strong in a challenge and he's as tough as nails. But um, I wouldn't like his first game at centre-half for us to be a Champions League tight. I would rather have tried it beforehand. And you never know, maybe maybe they'll, they'll try something like that during the game against Motherwell on the weekend, and that will give us an idea of what they're thinking. But I think the, the sort of the, the, the obvious option um, is playing a water. Yeah, but I have to agree with you. I think the best option is just go with a the water there. If all of it's going to be tough for no matter who is there. But I was just thinking, if you play a water as your centre back, it's going to be more the... Um, who was the guy who was a midfielder who played as a centre-back at Barcelona when Messi and that was there coming through? Was it the – there was a ball-playing centre-back. It's going to be – was it Mascherano or something like that? I'm trying to figure out who it was. 
someone playing that sort of role? Is it going to be like a, you know, play him as a centre-back, but he's more going to be an extra attacker? And we're just going to, I think the trick with Lazio will be, let's not try to out-defend them. Let's just mm-hmm. go the old Real Madrid style slash Ange ball and be like, let's let's score them. Let's outscore them. Like, we know we've got to win. Goals win your football games. At the end of the day, like, if Awada's playing there, there's a chance we may concede goals because it's not his natural position. So let's just have a crack and, you know, they're going to score three, we've got to score four. And that's just about... I mean, the only, the only thing in our favour of Awada there is, you know, Lazio and any other Italian team are not going to be the sort of team that are just going to shell balls into your box all night up to a big centre-forward who's going to ragdoll the centre-halves. And that's... You know, domestically, that's how that's when Iwata's really struggled because he's not he's not the tallest um, for, to be playing at centre half, but he's a footballer uh, and he showed he's composed and he can pass out from the back, um, and I think that will be a quality that will come that will come in really handy if he plays against Lazio, not so much his sort of aerial or his physicality um, or his aerial ability. I think it will be his, his passing out from the back will be the key thing for us, and as you say, you know, we just have to. We just have to do the best we can with what we have because, it, you know, it is what it is. I back our forwards over pretty much any team we play against in in our Champions League group and our league at the moment. We've got a lot of goals in us. So I'm not worried about our ability to score goals. It's the other end. So if we've got to go out there and just attack, like yeah, JJ's saying this here as well, so it's like what Rogers did against City in the Champions League, finished the best end-to-end stuff, exciting, finish 3-0. 3-all atmosphere is electric. Yeah, we just got to go out and just, you know, balls to the wall, foot to the floor and all those, you know, sayings and try to outscore them. So, yeah, it's going to be um, a bit of a doozy for us. I'm I'm all for that. Um, And then what we'll do is we'll quickly talk over the upcoming fixtures. So we've got, I think after this one, we go to two games a week pretty much for the, Hey, there's another break in there. So we've got Lazio and Kili next weekend. Then there's that's the seventh of October. Then there's nothing. There's no games until the twenty yeah, second. We've got another international break in there, and um, yeah. when Scotland are going off to play Spain, so we, we will get a break after the Kilmarnock game uh, before we before we go to Tynecastle on the twenty third of October. And then it's just chaos the rest of the way after that. So it's Hearts. On the twenty second, Atletico Madrid on the twenty fifth, Hibs on the twenty eighth. So three games in six days, basically. Then St Mirren on the first, then Ross County on the fourth, and then Atletico on the seventh. So it's a game every three or four days, pretty much, all the way through after that international break until January when we play. Second of January we play St Mirren, and then we've got the uh, winter break. So. It's going to get exciting, not just to watch so many games, but also for the podcast where every Monday we'll be able to talk about the game on the weekend that's just been played and preview the next game during the middle of the week. And then the Thursday we'll be able to review the the midweek game, talk about the games on the weekend, any other news coming up there. So it's going to be, um, it's all going to be happening and I'm looking forward to it. So what we'll do is we'll start to, I said, ask for some questions. So. I think we've got one question here and then we will do our final thoughts and wrap the pot up. So Andrew Glee was 
will Rogers try two up front and load up the midfield? What do you think, Stephen? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a possibility to do something similar to what he did last weekend with, with Maida and Kyogo uh, up front together. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't rule it out, you know, uh, he's always got some some tactical adjustments up his sleeve, and, and as I mentioned before, I think he's a he's an excellent coach and an excellent tactician. So you never know. I probably would say no um, if you asked me whether I thought he was going to do it or not. I think he'll start uh, with the same way we've been playing with Kyogo up front on his own. But as the game, you know, as the game progresses, you, you know, you never know what sort of tactical changes he'll make, and I think that is something we will see at some point this season. Yeah, it seems to work well for us as well. We've got the players who are interchangeable up front between Kyogo and Maeda, so they can play off each other, which we saw on the weekend. So we'll see it at some point, but I'm not sure if we'll see it, you know, in the um in any of the upcoming games. Now, Michael Ross has a question here saying, no TIFO on Tuesday. Thoughts on this, folks? Strange Love's pretty much answered it here, which which was it's probably just as well as we we're facing Nazio, so it's a guaranteed instant fine. So, yeah, I'd have to agree with that. For me... It's disappointing, though. It's Very disappointing. disappointing. Yeah. yeah, It's disappointing because, yeah, it is great to see that sort of yeah, makes part of a spectacle. But at the same time, a TIFO is not going to score goals for us. A TIFO is not going to make the players, you know, not misplaced passes. It's not going to make Brendan make subs better or you know, make use the right tactics. At the end of the day, it's um, it's disappointing because, yeah, it is a big part of the club and, you know, the, the spectacle of it, but it's not going to change anything on the pitch. La, we've got another question here. Martin Wee, McCarthy not in the team photo. Thoughts? Who? I mean, God only knows what's going on there. I've got no idea. You know, why wouldn't he even be... You know, why would they wouldn't even ask him to bowl up, put a strip on and, and stand for a team photo? I've got no idea at all. Um, I can only imagine he's so far out of the picture that they've, they've just told him to go away, stay at home and just stay out of the way. They're paying him, so why not Why not have him around? Even if he's, you know, even if he's partaking in small-sided games at training, at least have him doing something, you know? I, I don't get it. Just make it funny. Have the team photo and then just have him do the Ashley Cole, like three metres to the side in the background, just stand there, like, just to make it funny. He, um, Yeah, I think he'll probably be one there we loaned up to, up the road or whatever. So um, Peg Leg had a response to that. He got injured on the way in. And, um, yeah, so what we'll do is we'll wrap the podcast up there. Thanks for the questions and everything. We'll be back on Monday with the pot noodle. Don't know what the time will be for it because of the time zones. I'll It'll be up. So make sure you hit the subscribe button on YouTube. You hit the notification bell so you'll get notified when we go live. Like the episode, comment on it, share it all around, and uh, we appreciate each and every one of you. We'll go our final thoughts. So, Stephen, over to you for yours. Yeah, so we're just about to start um, our step challenge. Uh, the 1st of October uh, is on Sunday. So um, I'm getting in shape. I'm limbering up. I've been stretching. Uh, and hopefully the old hamstrings will, will last out to the end of October and I won't end up making a, a little trip to the ER. 
Yeah, well, um, I think, yeah, we're all looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a, it's a good challenge. It's a good, good cause. So, yeah, it'll be great to get involved in the uh, One Step Forward fundraiser for the Black Dog Institute. My final thought is it's a long weekend for, for me. It's a long weekend for you, Stephen, on Monday, isn't it? Yep. It's Sports Central in Australia at the moment. You've got the AFL Grand Final on Saturday. Collingwood, which is basically the equivalent of the Huns in the AFL versus Brisbane Lions, which is a team that was founded down here and merged and everything. It's going to be a great game. And then you've got the NRL Grand Final, Penrith hmm, against uh, the Broncos. So that'll be interesting as well. So I'm hoping for a Brisbane double. So um, good luck to everyone if your team's involved. I hope Collingwood and Penrith absolutely, uh, you know, fall on their ass. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be great to get on the beers and uh, watch a bunch of sport. And on Saturday, fit in the Celtic game as well. Happy days. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. We appreciate it. Hail, hail, and we'll speak to you next week. Here we are. Podcast Network.